0: Warm, warm welcome to C3 Cheltenham. If you don't know me today, my name's Christian. I am the Sydney minister, along with my good lady wife, Angie, at the front there. And um, we are going to dive straight into Scripture, if that's all the same with yourselves, um, from a very odd, a very odd verse, um, which I'm going to bring out. Two Kings, chapter 6, verses 24 and 25, which says the following. Sometime later, however, King Ben-Hadad of Aram mustered his entire army and besieged Samaria. As a result, there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and a cup of Dover's Dung, how pleasant, sold for five pieces of silver. Okay. So we join this story in Samaria of around about 700 BC, just as war has broken out. And the impact of this war is a huge food and energy crisis. Basically, it's taking place right now. Prices are rising at such a rate that a donkey's head, this don't. I'll give you a donkey's head, that's what they generally look like. <laughs> I brought one in from home. I'm not putting it on, because I know what it smells like on the inside. If you ever watch any of our lockdown videos, this is one that James used to wear um, when he appeared in the videos. So, so <laughs> I'm not putting this on. Um, <coughs> this is being sold for about £500. Not, that's quite, quite expensive, I would say. Um, and dove droppings, which interestingly, this was fit for food. They were buying this for food. You wouldn't normally buy a... a, 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 a um, <laughs> Donkeys have a fi- nice bit of ear there, though, if you're interested. Doves' drop which we usually use for heat and fuel, um, were at price levels that no one had ever experienced before. And the king hadn't even put a price cap on them. So that's how bad it was. You know, it was, it, they couldn't afford much. War was threatening the very existence of every single person in the place. And there was massive panic gripping the nation. People didn't know how they were going to survive the next few days, let alone weeks and months. So the news on the streets every day was one of doom and gloom. The news was that there was no hope for the future. All people heard again and again was causing fear. It was causing dread. It was causing worry. It was causing anxiety. And people were getting hungrier, they were getting colder, and they were getting poorer all the way through. Does it sound familiar? Yes. I didn't know that there was an energy crisis in the Bible until then. But there you go. So we are looking today at money and the winter. But if you've got no issues with money, then it will apply in lots of other areas. But money and the winter... So uh, there is a lot of stuff in the news at the moment about the energy crisis, the food crisis, and and prices going up again and again and again. And when we see this news, it's really easy to be gripped by a sense of doom and gloom. It's really easy to be thinking, how on earth am I going to pay for absolutely everything that's coming up? Um, there are so many articles you can now read which tell you how you can stay warm, how you can cook for cheaper, how you can do this, how you can do that. So. Uh, you can buy a cheap hoodie. Hoodies are great, by the way, if you are interested in that. That's not the preach. I'm not telling you how to do this, but uh, they are just great anyway. Um, Air fryers apparently are the big thing at the moment because they cook for cheaper. Um, But the the point isn't what do we do to make our bills go lower. That's not the preach today because you can go on websites to find that out. The point is we're all going through this together. Everyone's having this issue at the moment I'd finished writing this preach and I, I opened up an electricity bill for um, how it was gonna work out in the future and it had risen so dramatically that it weighed me down dramatically weighed me down so much that I thought, well I can't even preach this preach now because I'm supposed to be uh, telling you how to get through it. But that was the that was the reality of it. I was so stressed when I read it, I was thinking, oh my word. So that's that was how these things are real. They're real life situations, and we need to be able to address this and say, well, what are we gonna do? And the right way of looking at it is to look at the way God sees these concerns. Now, if you go to Matthew 6, verses 25 onwards, you see that Jesus already knew a lot about this kind of stuff. It wasn't new things to Jesus' prices and worries. So if you actually look at this, this is towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He says the following, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Because of everything he's just said. When you watch all of that, why would you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat and what will we drink and what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Okay, quite a long piece of Scripture, but a really important piece of Scripture, especially for where we are right now. Because God has promised to look after every single one of our needs, every single one of our cares, for every single part of our lives. When I was a child, and it might not be the same for all of you, but when I was a child, certainly, I wasn't worried about whether there would be food on the table. As as a five-year-old kid, I didn't get down for dinner and think, I wonder if there's going to be my, my major concern was, are there going to be peas on the plate? That was it. I wasn't worried about whether there was going to be food or not, because that was was my parents' responsibility. Obviously, in my childlike way, it was up to them to sort it out. So I just left it to them, and all the way through to being 18. Basically, I was, that was the way I lived, you know, that's your responsibility. It's not my responsibility. You bring it in, and I wasn't worried about it. (coughs) And that's what Jesus is communicating. You have a heavenly father, a heavenly father who cares beyond anything, and who's actually got the resources to provide for what you need as well. So it's a case of just like you trusted your dad, trust your heavenly father. He'll do the same again. Maybe a little bit slightly different because, um, you know, my heavenly father doesn't have a job in insurance where he brings home real money. Um, But he's obviously got a way to do this. And if we rely and trust this promise, it frees our hearts up to do the real bit of life, which is to build the kingdom of God. Amen? Because that's what he's saying. He's saying, don't get bogged down with this. If you can make sure you're not bogged down here, then the real life event that you are supposed to be doing, the real reason, the real purpose we're here is to build God's kingdom. And then if we can just free our minds of everything that makes us heavy, then we can be light and have the freedom to make an eternal significance on the planet rather than one which is just how am I going to make it through till tomorrow. When I was a um, teacher at at Tewksbury School, um, there was a surplus of maths teachers one year. Can you believe this? A surplus. Um, And they made the decision that they would make one of us redundant, which is nice. So we all had to write on a piece of paper why we were worthy of keeping our jobs. And um, obviously, I didn't Well, You don't know what's coming. You are, you don't know what the future holds. So you write it down, and every few days, I'd be thinking about this, thinking, oh, my word, what's going what's it going to look like? What's it going to look like if I lose my job? This is... This. You know, I was the only one bringing any money in the house. So who's going to pay the bills? How are we going to get this all sorted out? Until I felt God say very, very, very clearly to me, Christian, you know it's not you that pays your wages, don't you? Sorry, you know it's not Cheeksby School that pays your wages. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. It's me. It's God that pays your wages. It's God that pays your bills. It's not you going off and doing all this. I'm not saying... Off you go and just quit your jobs, by the way. But what I am saying is, as far as it goes, God was in charge. God was the one that was looking after me. And it lifted this weight. So I was thinking, it doesn't matter now about what happens, if I am made redundant or not, because actually I'm being looked after by a heavenly father who's got my cares. He's the one who's paying my wages through Tewksbury School at at that particular time. But that was the way it looked. Is that making sense? Yeah, and that's really, really important. Now, Dean's got a fantastic testimony. He's gonna come up now, because uh, he's um, had uh, a bit of a breakthrough financially. Off you go. Good morning, everybody. Um,
1: Good morning, morning.
0: <laughs> So a lot of you know
1: I was planning on going to uni this year, um, but due to the financial crisis we're all facing, it wasn't viable, I had to look at where everything cut, and I decided it's not gonna work, there was too much stress. I'm gonna go back to work. But again, finding a job's not always the easiest thing. And fortunately, I went to Alicante, and they asked if anybody wanted to come up for prayer for financial help, and will we would pray for financial help? So I went up, prayed, cried my eyes out, like I usually do when I get prayed for. And when I came back, I went to Dexter's football training. He's only recently started, speaking to one of the mums. And I was talking about I needed a job. She said, oh, we got a job going at Winfield Hospital. I said, I've done that. Within two weeks of talking to her, I had an interview and got offered the job. And I will be starting maybe in December once I get on my DBS then. But it just shows that even in the worst of times then when I was struggling again and I've been up and down, God took control of that for me. I got prayed for and he showed me his strength and his love and provided for me again. Thank you.
0: So God shows up, God provides in whatever way it looks like. It's a mysterious way sometimes, but God provides. There's a second thing to bring out of this, actually, this piece of text. Because Jesus instructs us not to worry about tomorrow. Do you notice that? He says, do not worry about tomorrow, i.e. the future. Don't worry about the future. Often we find ourselves living in the future. Are you anything like that? You're kind of like always there going, what's that going to look like? How's it going to play out? How am I going to do that? But Jesus is saying, how am I? I don't know what you're thinking. How, <laughs> Jesus is saying, can you trust me enough for today? That's basically all he wants us to do. Does that make sense? It's a lot easier to, to, to trust him for today than it is Forever, okay? I mean, I mean, wonderfully if you can do it forever. But he's basically looking at it going, look, I will provide for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. We'll deal with tomorrow, tomorrow. We'll deal with the future when we get there. But today, I'll make sure everything's sorted out. Today, in the now, your needs will be met. In the now, everything will be sorted. And when you get to tomorrow, then we'll deal with that then. And often we're going into our heads going, oh, my word, this is coming, this is coming, this is coming, and all the prices are going up. And I've got enough food for today, but tomorrow I might not. And Jesus is just saying, don't worry about that bit. We'll cover that bit then, and we'll have a look. Now, I'm not saying, again, don't plan. Planning is good, all right? I'm not saying get all your wages. Now, the pastor said, don't worry about tomorrow. Get all my wages, spend them today. That's fantastic. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is... Don't worry about the future, but to trust that Jesus has got you. He's got you hold, he's got him, and he's got it because he cares. And the word cares keeps coming back again and again and again in that text. But does anyone here find it difficult to trust? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, okay, thank you. It's not the easiest sometimes to trust. Psalm 36 verse 7 gives us a massive key in how to trust God. And it's come through in a lot of worship songs today, actually. How precious is your loving kindness, O God! Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Knowing and experiencing the love of God empowers us to trust him. Okay? I mean, think about this just in the natural for a second. If you know someone loves you unconditionally, if you know someone's got your back, Completely. If you know someone is completely for you and not against you, if you know that somebody is absolutely with you 100% of the time and wants everything for you, wants the best for you, are you going to trust that person? Mainly, yeah? You are going to trust that person a lot more than if you think they're about to play a trick on you. The more we get to know the love of God, the more we believe the love of God. The more we believe it's real, the more we experience it, we will naturally trust him more and more and more. And it becomes a natural, supernatural maybe thing that happens on the inside. It's the message of salvation. It's how we entered into relationship with God, that Jesus loved us so much that he died for us and that he wiped away all of our sin as he did so. And that love... That love on the cross inspires us to repent of our sin. It inspires us to trust him with our lives and make him Lord. It's that love that he showed on the cross and it's that love that he continues to show, which makes a huge difference in the condition of our hearts. Amen? Yep. So the more we put ourselves in a place where we are resting in the love of God, and I'll say this again and again because it makes such a difference, that we rest in his love, we soak in his love, but we're just being with God. We had it said, be still and know that I am God. The more we do that, the more the condition of our hearts is made much, much better. We will naturally trust him. We will naturally want to to live a life which is far more empowered by the presence of God okay so God provides as we've heard in the most miraculous of ways I've heard so many stories of people who've been forced to take pay cuts and b- mysteriously they've got still the same amount of money in the account at the same of the month as they did at the start it's like God stretches the money and it seems to me amazing how that happens again and again and again but God also provides through the church, family. And I've seen this happen a lot as well. This has been equally wonderful to witness over my many, many years here. So if you want this message to be summed up, God's got your back and the church does also. It's all right, isn't it? It's all you need to remember, okay? I think it can be split into two categories. Trust God with the future, massively important. And if you do have... I'm not going to put this down because I've talked about the future. But if you do have immediate concerns for today, if you literally are in a place where there's not food in the house today, or you've, you've got a major financial issue today, then speak to someone you know well in the church. Speak to your connect group leader. Speak to myself. We don't want anyone going hungry. We don't want anyone going cold. So if you do have an issue today in that respect, then please, please speak up. Because we we can trust God with the future, but we're here for each other. Yeah, that's what a family does. That's how a family operates. We're here to make sure that we aren't going cold and we aren't going hungry. If you read James chapter 2, he makes that very clear. On the subject of cold, we're linking up uh, with, with other churches around Cheltenham to launch a warm space here at the pavilion. Um, so the idea is that there should be somewhere open throughout the week in Cheltenham anytime to provide heat and to provide tea and coffee and toast and, and Wi-Fi if you need it. I don't know. I mean, it's not really a need Wi-Fi. I'm sorry. Um, but the rest of the stuff may well be. And we'll provide details on that soon. Okay. So that's something which uh, is in the um, in the pipeline at the moment, Um, so that's really, really important, and it's another way that we're looking to reach out as a church with our God-given vision to build intentional community, so we're looking to do that again and again and again um, with people on the outside of church, and it's not just as as an organization, as Beth was saying, it's in pairs, it's in groups. I think it's really important, more and more so as we go down what the vision is, is it's about that whole aspect that we are looking to bring people into our normal day-to-day lives. That's discipleship, where you include people in your normal activities. Somebody put it wonderfully well in our connect group. They said it's about making friends and making disciples. And I thought that was great, so I'm nicking it. Make friends and make disciples. But that's what we're doing. We're looking at, you can make disciples from any stage across the spectrum, it doesn't matter. Jesus didn't differentiate. So someone's not saved yet, you can still disciple them through your lifestyle and through conversations. And I'm hearing some wonderful things. So people are starting up craft groups. People are looking at getting their friends into the, the, the walking men's group. I hear we're looking at doing something about getting non-Christians involved. People that aren't Christians yet, I should say. Dinner parties are starting up, which is good, yeah? People just including their their friends that aren't Christians yet into their everyday lives okay so think about how you may well want to, to do that this is our vision for the church and I, I think it's really really important but prayer is the fuel to any of this working yeah it doesn't work without prayer we am not coming up with a natural system or a program that's going to make it work okay it doesn't work without prayer prayer and fasting starts this month well, November, so yeah, November. So every prayer meeting, every prayer meeting is in the flesh in November, okay? Are all right with that? There will be no Zoom ones. They'll be all in this church, in the, in the pavilion. So make sure you can get to as many of them as possible. Pick one of the days of the week, as, we've, as Beth's already said. Um, and we're praying into the lost getting saved. We're praying into the people returning to know Jesus. We're praying for boldness for people to go out and proclaim the gospel. And why? Because God desires to see people saved and discipled. Amen? Good. So it becomes more of a natural thing to invite people after that to Christmas services, to Alpha, um, which starts on the 16th of January, um, and that's already been mentioned, but I keep on bringing it on. Pray into that as you see people, um, and as, as you fast, sorry, and as you pray, pray, see people that you can invite along to it. We've already got people that are showing a really in Alpha this year, which is exciting. So that's good news. So it's looking it's promising at an early stage, that. Um, and I'm really, really happy for that. So let's get invited and let's see God's kingdom come. Friends, families, neighbours. Yep. Yeah. You up for that? Great. Some of you are, anyway. That's good. Okay. Let's return to this energy crisis in the Samaria I began with. Okay. Should we say how that panned out? 7 We're going back in time, 700 BC, in middle So... The donkey's head is being sold for 500 quid, and there's panic, there's hunger. There's a real problem, obviously, in this place. There's despair for the future. But the prophet Elisha, the prophet Elisha saw things very, very differently. In 2 Kings 7, which is just a few verses down, this is on the same day, actually, that I've just been speaking about, Elisha speaks and says, Listen to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, there's that word again, tomorrow. By this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver, and 12 quarts of barley barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king said to the man, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But Elisha replied, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. Now, I am not prophesying the end of price rises. Let's just put that down there straight away. What I am saying is that this story shows that the word of God cuts completely through our temporary struggles. The word of God helps us cut through our fears And see things from God's perspective. Amen? And that's really vital. You can see in this, we don't know what the future is going to look like. But God knows our future far better than we do. Yep? So we can worry about the future. You can spend all your time worrying about the future. But God's been there. He's seen it. He knows it. And his promise is that he will provide. Amen? So he's going, I've been there and I'm providing for you there right now. And that's why we're not called to really worry about the future, because His promise stands for the future as well, and we can take Him at His word. He's a loving Father; He cares for us, and He desires to provide generously. We don't need to know how; all we need to do is trust. And it's as I say, it's as simple as that. It's not always a simple thing to trust, but. That is our role in all of this, to trust. So when fear comes along, when worry comes along for the future, when it bombards our minds, and when we get anxious about these things, we can thank God for his promise. We can thank God that he's present in it. We can thank God that he's holding us through it. That we can thank God that he will keep us safe through all things that we go through. Amen? And we can focus on his love. We can focus on his care. And this generates a heart of trust where our souls can shelter. Are you with that? Good. Amen.